Hello and welcome to The Joy of Marketing with me, Andrew Veach. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favourite subjects, which is TV advertising. I'm delighted to be joined by David Sanderson from Sky TV, who's joining us from London. Uh, David is the director of AdSmart, um, which is one of the things we'll be hearing a bit more about today. Uh, So welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. Nice to be here. Isn't uh, TV advertising a thing of the past? Uh, Now that we've got YouTube and TikTok and Reels on Instagram, uh, and we're all on, you know, Netflix and uh, you know all all of these other uh, new mediums. (laughs) Yeah, I guess um, I don't mean to dismiss the significance of social media channels like like those, but. What's fascinating is when you look at the data that TV viewing uh, today is higher than it was in 2010, which is roughly when smartphones kicked off and the social media channels that it spawned got going. So it surprises a lot of people, but TV is very much uh, you know vibrant and and bigger and better than it ever was. And part of that is due to the likes of the, the sort of investment that the likes of Netflix have put in, which has uh, encouraged everyone to up their game, and there's just amazing stuff to be to be watched on screen. I think if your if your question is, is it uh, is it something from you know yesteryear in terms of an advertising platform? Uh, I think the answer in that is 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 in the area of people's willingness to be advertised to. Uh, social media is fantastic for for exactly that. But in terms of an advertising platform, it's quite easy to dismiss and avoid ads on it. And, you know, we know as being one of the biggest ad spenders in the country that there is, it is pretty hard to get cut through in that environment. And when you look at the sort of five hours of video that people in the UK watch every day and distill that down to how much of that is actually advertising um, on on a screen that's that's willingly watched, it, it drops to a fairly measly 20 minutes. And TV is the vast majority of that still. You know, I do wonder, actually, if, if maybe because people are spending more time at home, you know, because of COVID and with probably an increase of home working, I wonder if some of that is actually driving some of the increased uh, viewership. Oh, yeah. I think um, COVID, uh, what, w- there was a silver lining on the COVID cloud for television. I mean, it's, and it did increase in 2020 and has stayed up at those levels, but it, it wasn't a huge jump. You know, it was a, a marginal increase on a fairly sort of solid performance. Um, I do think that the two things, the likes of TikTok and, and so on and so forth, are good bedfellows with, with TV because, as many people listening to this will acknowledge, you know, we, we increasingly dual screen um, and that you might be prompted to do a quick bit of, you know, research on who a particular star of a particular show is or what brand is is what in terms of what they're offering that you might have been might have just seen on screen yeah and i'm also for a lot of people it's part of the habit isn't it they they come home they switch the tv on it's on in the background they're not necessarily always completely engaged with it it's more just providing some some background to their life there's that that true but equally certainly in the multi-channel environment where people have an abundance of choice and are picking channels uh, uh from that wealth of different options that really do something for them um very often they're engaged in content that really matters to them and if that's live content that makes presents it a a really compelling advertising opportunity or if it's uh you know highlight content for them that that uh they don't want to 
record and fast forward through ads because they want to watch it live so they can uh, coordinate comments with their friends also watching it at the same time, then uh, that, that becomes really quite compelling. So uh, I think it's a lot less background than it perhaps was. I think it's more about just a series of appointment views that matter to people. Okay, so moving on to advertising, perhaps just before we go into you know some of the the new features, um, it might just be useful to cover off how things work under the traditional system. Um, so just as an example, let's say I'm an advertiser and I was wanting to target you know a female sixteen to thirty four year old um, audience. Um, how would I go about that? Yeah, I guess it's an audience that all of the major broadcasts players in the UK are very good at reaching. So you would probably commission uh, an agency uh, to put together a combination of content across ITV, Channel 4 and and Sky to deliver about 400 ratings. Each each rating is 1% of that total available audience. And that should give you really good uh, reach and frequency across it. And you might supplement that with a bit of catch up, which increasingly younger uh, female audiences like to watch, which is an opportunity to advertise in as well. And then you probably supplement that with some digital and, and, and social, and that would give you, I think, pretty pretty impressive coverage of most of that audience, given how much content uh, they they willingly engage with. Great. Um, and of course, you know, that, that was the old method. But could you just tell us a little bit about AdSmart and how that works? Yeah, I think, well, sticking with your analogy of, of an advertiser trying to reach a 16 to 34 female audience, there's bound to be some that are lighter TV viewers than, than others. Every audience will have its heavy and light um, uh, third and, a, and an average third sitting in the middle. And where addressable media comes in is that uh, it will effectively guarantee to reach what audience you, you want to reach. And if it, they don't, if it doesn't reach that audience, you won't pay for it by popping up in, in content that uh, in whatever content they choose to watch across a vast array of channels. So it's a really good way of extending reach from a sort of mass market, mass audience campaign across multiple linear campaigns to pick off viewers who are a bit more elusive and harder to pin down in whatever content matters to them. Great. So, if so, in other words, if I'm in this target audience and I'm at home watching on my Sky Box, watching the same program as as somebody else, I might see different adverts yeah. to, to to that other person. You 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 would, and increasingly you do, Andrew. You may not be aware of it, um, and suspect you're not sixteen thirty four female. But any of these <laughs> that uh, anyone is after will effectively uh, it allows them to use all the granularity and cleverness of digital targeting but to deliver it full screen in high definition content that that individual household has decided is right for them at that moment so it could well be that if that particular piece of content is uh, the new hbo uh, winning time drama on sky atlantic then if in one household the audience you're after is watching that and the next door household's watching the same stuff but is in a different demographic then they will see different ads at that time essentially we're dynamically inserting ads into uh, linear or live content where the targeting requirements are met and where they're not met that household sees what everyone else will see Right. And then obviously just from a tech side, and we'll just sort of go into the the, the the British system here briefly. So in Britain, 
we've obviously got the broadcast you know o- o- over the air we've got virgin media and we've got um sky boxes so what which of these platforms is can you can we actually switch the ads around on it's in the Sky and Virgin homes. So that's just under 50% of all homes in the UK. Uh, we need some fairly clever middleware in order to deliver the AdSmart technology. And each box will store up to 400 different little different bits of ad copy. The, the end user, the household in question, is oblivious to that fact. It doesn't compromise the way their box works, but it just means that based on the targeting profile of the household, and I stress it's household and, and, and nothing that would breach any personal data regulations in any territory, and the ad just sits there waiting for an opportunity to be played in that break, perfectly superimposed frame for frame over an ad that will otherwise have been seen. The, the, the ad that would have been seen isn't buying the right to market that specific household. They're buying mass audiences and they'll get that lost household back in the broader scheme of things. But but advertisers who either have a, uh, a real need to avoid excessive wastage, either because they've got a very tightly defined demographic that they're after, or they're keen to restrict their advertising to a very specific bit of geo-targeting that might be a postcode or a city or a or a county, or very often both, i.e. tightly defined demographics within a clearly defined area, then then AdSmart's the thing for them. And that's that's increasingly where advertisers are turning to us. Great. And actually, just before we move off that technical side, can I just check what TV stations this is on? Is this just would this just be the Sky branded uh, stations, or, or 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 is it a bigger choice? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a much bigger choice, thankfully, and that's partly because Sky Media is, I think, either the biggest or one of the biggest TV sales houses in the world. I'm not quite sure what metric we've used that on, but it, we 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 represent well over 150 different channels that broadcast on the Sky satellite platform and Virgin Media and uh, about 130 channels have embedded the AdSmart technology in order for them to be part of this AdSmartable TV club. And that includes obviously all the Sky Holy Owned channels, but it's all of Viacom's channels. So Channel 5 and MTV, it's the, the, the full suite of Discovery channels, National Geographic, um, history, lots and lots of others. And the reason that's important to, to get across is because people would traditionally think, okay, well, I think I know who my audience is, and therefore I think I know what they watch, and therefore I'm going to buy some airtime in shows on channels we think they like in, in the hope that the two, those two things intersect, potential customer and ad message. And in this environment, none of that needs to happen. If You just need to focus on what's the most exacting profile of your potential customer that we can identify. And as long as we can match that, then we'll stick your ad in their Sky or Virgin box and the ad will appear in whatever content that matters to them uh, from that very large list of channels. If any one of those households decides not to watch any of them or uh, religiously watches the BBC only or sticks with Netflix and nothing else, then we won't serve a single impression that home and that, and that advertiser won't pay for that home. But the reality is that people do have a fairly uh, complex blend of content that they, they dip in and out of. And when they engage with one of the ads multiple channels, they'll see that ad. Yeah, and it's interesting. So obviously earlier you mentioned that 
one of the targeting options would be postcode or you know location. I mean, what other ways can an advertiser um, target a particular audience? Yeah, the the, um, the targeting array again, driven by how good digital platforms are at targeting, we've had to you know re- get to that threshold, uh, and we've got about twelve hundred different targeting options, which sounds a bit daunting. But, um, for example, 66 of them are uh, using Experian data and Experian types. And many people around the world will have heard of Experian, and it's a pretty popular data source. But there's lots and lots of other classifications that fall into broadly 10 different targeting buckets that might be uh, based on a finance profile, uh, on, a, on a level of comfort that people do or don't have with technology, whether they're senior decision makers in companies, what cars they own, uh, what what sort of financial profile they might have. So there's lots of different ways to, to look at it. Um, and we can usually get a particular advertiser's audience ambitions met exactly or get pretty close. Well, I have to say, I, and I obviously happen to know quite a lot about it because the Experian data source Cantar, TGI, and YouGov are also the same data sources that I, I use uh, in machine labs, and it's it's quite incredible what you can get down to. I mean, we can see, as I said, size of household. I think on both platforms, um, as you said, income, even things like the likelihood of owning a dog or the likelihood of owning a cat. Although obviously you can't specifically say that somebody owns a dog or a cat, but you can say they're more likely to own a dog than than other audiences. Absolutely, and that's that's we've had a huge sort of boom in pet food and pet care related products since since COVID, in and that's been really helpful. And other ones that are really interesting is, you know, there's some fairly obvious life changing moments that most people will go through at some point that then has a direct impact on their purchasing behaviour. So, if you're about to have a baby or you've recently had a baby, you're in market for products that you clearly wouldn't be if that particular life-changing moment wasn't on the agenda and the same for moving house Uh, we we do huge amounts of work with businesses to do with either furnishings or home improvement and and that tends to peak just as people move into their next property i suppose another obvious one is again whether or not uh, the consumer has a garden because again there's obviously a lot of products that are only of interest to someone with a garden so again being particularly as you know so many of us uh, live in flats now to actually be able to choose the people with gardens i can see would be would be something valuable to a lot of advertisers an interesting one in that respect is around electric vehicles which is a very topical issue uh, it's pretty pretty difficult potentially almost impossible to own an electric vehicle if you don't have your own driveway. So if you live in a flat or a terraced house, you're not really in market for an electric vehicle anytime soon. So that sort of segmentation based on housing type is an interesting filter to add to that market. And then I guess in terms of the use of this, I mean, the, the obvious way is, you know, using it to recruit new customers. Um, but just as I'm thinking about it, I, I suppose this could also be used to maybe to reactivate existing customers who haven't bought for a while. Yeah, we do do work with uh, customers where we either specifically go after a database of household addresses that they own and have rights to use that might be lapsed customers. We've done a lot of work with insurance uh, providers who know that, for example, next month, they'll know that there is a great many people that are 
requested a quote from a particular insurance provider and declined it and went somewhere else. So they know that next month is the time to go after that uh, list of declined customers. And in any particular audience, roughly 45% of them will be customers of ours as well. So there's a significant chunk of, of lapsed customers that we can help reignite. I mean, are there any particular campaigns that you can uh, tell us about? Gosh, so many. I mean, there's, there's, you know, we've we've got thousands of customers. I'm I'm pleased to say we've got plenty that are uh, quietly enjoying their success and not very keen to share um, news with with others. But thankfully, a few have. Um, we can pick lots of flashy brands like McLaren or Princess Yachts and some you know big spending finance brands. But I think a good run-of-the-mill, and I don't mean to disrespect a very valued client by describing them as run-of-the-mill, but there's a, a car dealer in the West Country called Vospers who've been around for many, 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 many years. They've been a long-term supporter of regional ITV, which they continue to do, quite rightly. But Vospers ran a campaign with us late last year and saw a 34% increase in sales, which was worth an incremental £5 million of sale value and because uniquely addressable tv can link the address uh, of obviously our viewing customers back to a customer who would have given their address to the advertiser in question which of course you do when you buy a car um, we could link it directly to 432 car sales which is the sort of five million quid's worth and that was on the back of a campaign that costs just over ten thousand pounds so so we like that one because you know, Vospers are mid-market car retailer. They we, we love them dearly, but as they would admit, they're not wildly different from plenty of other mid-market car retailers. And they've been on TV a lot before, so you'd have thought they'd have probably maxed out that audience. But the the, the reach and impact that we can deliver in multi-channel homes has clearly paid dividends in that example. So obviously the, the majority of uh, direct-to-consumer websites don't advertise on on TV. I mean, could you just give me sort of an indication of what would be a, a sort of typical minimum budget um, to get started on AdSmart? Yeah, I think as a as a good example, if if you looked at a particular market in the country where there might be a couple of hundred thousand households, um, half of those, roughly speaking, could be reached by Sky or Virgin, and because of a any particular advertisers targeting requirements, you might reasonably think that um, 80% of those homes are going to be irrelevant. They're going to be too old or too young, or they don't own their house or they do whatever the filter is that matters. They'll, you'll find that usually 80% of any audience, you, you will be quite keen to avoid spending money on reaching and you just want to focus on that core uh, 20%. So in that instance, we've got 20,000 households that matter to this advertiser, we'd we'd run a campaign where if we, we would guarantee a frequency target, let's say for the sake of easy maths, the frequency target is five. So we're going to deliver five, and the ad five times in 20,000 homes, which gives you 100,000 impressions. And at a cost per thousand of about 50 pounds, let's say, that's 5,000 quid as an example for what a campaign costs. Now, Campaigns can cost much, much more than that. It's entirely binary with how many homes you choose to target. But the lowest we go is 3,000. The average is pretty much what Vospers, the car dealer, did, spending spending 10,000. And I guess, um, obviously, the price of putting together a TV advert has absolutely plummeted. Um, 
I certainly remember when I started out, you needed to have these staggeringly expensive cameras and, and the huge crew, whereas now, you know, a tiny little mini cameras probably <laughs> does a better job. So um, I'm guessing what you could maybe do, film a TV ad for, what, maybe £5,000 nowadays? Would that be about right? I would so, say that's a very, very good and probably, you know, comfortable estimate and of course they're not just filming a tv ad they're putting together a suite of video assets that you can use on your website your youtube channels and from that they'll craft a 30 second version that you can run on tv so yeah we we're we're blessed to have uh, working relationships with with hundreds of brilliant small production companies dotted around the country that really understand uh local smes businesses and in a way that certainly sky's creative team either couldn't or wouldn't be wouldn't have the resource to do it so yeah lots of brilliant ad copy being made it's incredibly well for surprisingly little cost well it's actually over my career i mean i think the cheapest ad i filmed was probably about five thousand pounds and i think probably about a hundred thousand for the most expensive but it certainly wasn't a case that the hundred thousand pound ad <laughs> performed 20 times better than the, the five thousand pound ad so um, it was maybe not always a popular view, but I probably am inclined to, to put more of the budget in, into the media than I am into into the production. Although I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir no, you, you, <laughs> on that one. You, you are, but I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, the great thing about television is, and going back to your original point about, about TikTok and other social channels, is that people remember TV ads from not just yesterday or last week, but from last year or from 10, 20 years ago. Um, and the ads that people remember weren't necessarily big budget ones. They were ones with really clever scripts, simple ideas that just land with people. And this is why we work with creative specialists, because they're brilliant at that and coming up with messages that really resonate and people, you know, sing when they're walking around or act out with their friends in the pub or whatever it might be. But uh, yeah, Good, high-quality, low-cost ads is thankfully uh, a real enabler to helping businesses take full advantage of addressable media. Well, thank you very much, David, for taking the time uh, to talk to us. Machine Labs is a great complement to Sky AdSmart. Uh, we actually use a lot of the same data sources, such as Experian, Cantor, TGI and YouGov. Um, although, obviously, for us, it's mainly used to target and personalise emails um, rather than uh, to decide what TV ads you see. You can also use Machine Labs to identify the groups that perform best for you so that you can tell Sky um, which mosaic groups and types you'd like to advertise to. Machine Labs is on the Shopify App Store or there is an API for other platforms. Thanks for listening and see you next week on The Joy of Marketing.